Hello, everyone. I'm Paul Menzel. And I'm Jim Conlon. And this is New Tricks for Old Dogs. Our podcast features the many ways us older men and women howl at the moon, odd news items you don't normally hear about, and conversations with other old dogs who are growing bolder, not older. So if you've got 25 minutes or so, grab a cup of coffee, pull up a chair, and join us. In this episode, the old dogs ramble about things we can't explain. Like, where did the other sock go? We report on a case of mistaken identity, where the identity was a dummy. We bring you another edition of Ads and Fads. We wonder what's going to become of all those soccer stadiums in Cotter. We relate another fishy fish story. And we explain five things that can't be explained. The Old Dog's conversation is with John Swayze. You may not know him, but you may well have heard him. Stay with us. Well, Paul, Hmm. are you ready to ramble? Uh, You know what I've been thinking about as a topic for our ramble is we have a pod nugget uh, in this episode about mysteries that have never been explained. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it occurred to me that they missed a lot of them. There's a lot of mysteries that I run across that, are unexplainable and maybe we could share some of those with our listeners really like like what for example for example where do missing socks go really now you know after a laundry there is always one pair of socks that's missing a sock where Mm -hmm. do they go is there a sock convention (laughs) a sock heaven maybe could be all right How about you? You got any mystery? Yeah, I I am always fascinated by you know those insulated mugs that you put your coffee in. Mm, well, yeah. insulated mugs keep hot things hot, right? And supposedly, they, well, yeah. and they keep cold things cold. Uh, supposedly, yeah. Well, how does it know the difference? Mystery. It's a mystery, yeah, Jim. Yeah. There's another one. How come on a long trip, the last ten miles seem to go on forever? Forever. I know. It's a mystery. I know. All right. Um, Did you notice that there is always more toothpaste in the tube? Like always? Yeah. And that last bit of toothpaste seems to last a month. Easily. (laughs) You noticed that? Yeah. You think, oh, I'm going to throw it away now. Nope. There's more in there. Here's another one. Mm -hmm. When you attend a college reunion, why are you the biggest failure? (laughs) Have you noticed that? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, your eyes aren't open, Jim. Uh, probably not. I maybe have too high an opinion of myself. Okay, here's another thing that I notice when I'm driving. Uh, whatever. Have you noticed this? Whatever lane you're in is the slowest. Oh, yeah, yeah. And if you do switch lanes, that That's becomes- the slowest. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's you and I. We're doing that. Maybe it's us. So, all right, Paul, what else? Oh, this is a good one. Mm. How come when you really need a pen, they're all out of ink? Oh, yeah. You've got to scratch yeah. them and try to get ink out of the dying pen. And they're all <laughs> they're all cheap pens. The dying um, pen. <laughs> the police in London responded to an emergency call from a passerby. He'd looked into his shop window and thought he saw a woman in distress. Ah, but the mission was impossible. 
This pod nugget is from Sky News for December 13, 2022. When the police arrived outside the shop, they saw what appeared to be a woman seated at a table face down in a bowl of soup. The police broke down the door of the shop, only to discover that the woman in distress was a mannequin and the shop was an art gallery. Ah, don't you hate that? Yeah. The police were surprised, but not as surprised as the gallery owner who had gone upstairs to make a cup of tea. (laughs) She came downstairs to find her front door off the hinges and two slightly embarrassed police officers inspecting the non-existent crime scene. The artwork was an installation that looked quite realistic from a distance, so the confusion was understandable. In fact, two months previously, paramedics were called to assist the woman in the window. Perhaps it's time to change out the installation, you think? Yeah, I think. For this installment of Ads and Fads, we go back to 1954. This was the year that gas was 21 cents a gallon and a new car cost 1700 bucks. It was also the year that Walt Disney's Wonderful World of Color presented a popular miniseries about an American hero. This series spawned a fashion trend among young people. For this episode's ads and fads, name the TV show and the fashion trend. We'll be back later in this episode with the answers. The Men's Soccer World Championship ended in Qatar on December 18th. So now, what do they do with the seven soccer stadiums that were built for the event? This pod nugget is from Time Magazine for December 20th, 2022. Qatar is a gas-rich Gulf nation with no soccer tradition. They wanted and got the hosting job for the World Soccer event 12 years ago. It was an attempt to wow the world by showing off their sporting event prowess. The country spent some $220 billion over the last 12 years getting ready for the big show. Nearly $7 billion of that amount was used to build seven of the most technologically advanced stadiums in the world and to renovate one other. Building the stadiums was also costly to the imported labor that built them. They were forced to work in the searing heat of this Gulf nation. An untold number died in the process. Well, now the party is over and Cutter has to figure out what to do with eight soccer stadiums in a small country without a soccer tradition. However, the government body in charge of organizing the World Cup has a plan. Some stadiums will be downsized. Some will be transformed into residential and shopping destinations. And some will be dismantled and recycled. For example, one stadium was made of 974 shipping containers. It will be completely dismantled and donated to another country. Oh, you want that in your backyard, Jim? (laughs) As for the remaining stadiums, Qatar will be hosting the 2023 Asian Soccer Cup and the 2030 Asian Games. They also plan to bid for the 2036 Olympics. So what's next? Maybe a Super Bowl or a World Series. And you know, they just might pull it off. Those crazy cutterins. Fishermen are serious about their fishing contests. Just ask Captain Ahab. This pod nugget is from the Washington Post for October 3rd, 2022. The occasion was the Lake Erie Walleye Fishing Tournament in Cleveland, Ohio. Entrants submitted five walleyes, and the total weight determined the winners. When Jacob Runyon and Chase Kaminsky handed in their entry, they appeared to be the winners, beating out 65 other teams. Jason Fisher, the director and owner of the contest, 
figured the catch would weigh in at about 16 pounds, enough to win, but the scales showed a weight of 34 pounds. To his practiced eye, something was fishy. He grabbed one of the fish and ran his hand over its stomach and squeezed. He felt something hard, so he so he cut open the fish and found an egg-sized weight. Eventually, ten weights, totaling seven pounds, were pulled from the five fish. Runyon and Kaminsky were immediately tossed out of the tournament. If they had won, they would have been awarded almost $30,000 in prizes. The evidence of the weighted fish has been turned over to the Cuyahoga County Prosecutor's Office. This cheating scandal exposed the soft underbelly of competitive angling. It's a sport regulated by an unspoken honor code, but with prizes in the tens of thousands of dollars, there is a temptation to bend contest rules. Needless to say, the weighing in at future fishing contests will be more closely watched than the weighing in at Jenny Craig. Here, here. Paul, did you write that uh, soft underbelly line? Was that your line? Uh, actually, no. Huh. But it's a funny line. It is. <laughs> it is. Okay, here's the answers for ads and fads. The Disney miniseries was Davy Crockett, King of the Wild Frontier. The star was Fess Parker, who wore the character's signature coonskin cap. The item became such a popular fashion trend that an estimated $100 million of Davy Crockett coonskin hats were sold. This became one of the first TV product tie-ins. Did you have a coonskin cap, Paul? No, I didn't. But you know that the coons out there were getting nervous. <laughs> if you ever watch anime, you've probably heard John Swayze. Of course, you may have to ask your grandkids what anime is. John has been lending his versatile voice to anime features since the 90s. He has voiced hundreds of characters, acted in hundreds of radio and TV commercials, and appeared in several films, including the cult favorite Dazed and Confused. John's wife, who should know, considers him the Kevin Bacon of anime, whatever that means. You need to explain to our listeners what anime is. Well, I like to say that anime is Japanese animation. But it's been around, you know, uh, even in America. But even in the 70s and 80s, there was anime being made. And it just wasn't a super popular thing. It was very niche. Um, it had its, you know, its geeky nerd audience. Um, and even when I started doing anime in 1997, there happened to be a studio here in Houston called ADV Films. Yeah. And I was like, okay, you know, whatever. And uh, it was just another gig for me. I mean, you know, Jim, I mean, I've worked with you and Paul for almost 40 years. And, you know, I was making a way as an actor, primarily doing voice work, uh, commercials and that kind of thing and doing very well and, and, and loving life and everything was great. And then, you know, somebody said, why don't you do this thing called anime? And I was like, what is anime? And mm -hmm. They showed me, and to me, for the first couple of years, you know, it was just another gig. It was just happened to be a studio in Houston that did this. And then a studio up in Dallas called Funimation opened up, and they started doing it. And it came on a VHS tape. Now, on the VHS tape, a series might have 12 episodes. You would get three or four episodes for 25 bucks. So in order to watch the whole series, not only did it take well over a year to complete – 
it came in little four episode chunks on these VHS tapes that were expensive. So then it moved to DVD and we started to, you could fit whole series on one DVD and sell that for 25 bucks. So the cost went down significantly, which made it more accessible. Um, ADV actually opened up their own streaming platform in the early mid 2000s. Um, it was a video on demand platform and it was doing well, but again, it was only their stuff. But then things like Toonami, Adult Swim on cable started picking up shows like Dragon Ball Z and Full Metal Alchemist and some other animes that gave it to the general audience of America and broadened it immensely. And then Blu-rays came out and then, of course, streaming. And and now everybody has streaming services. So Funimation has Funimation now. Sentai, which is formerly ADV, has High Dive. So for about $25 a month, what used to get you one tape with four episodes now gives you access to streaming more anime than you'll ever be able to watch in five lifetimes. Would you say that there are levels of quality, levels of uh, excellence within the anime field that you can uh, really identify pretty quickly? Is that the way people look at it? Um, yeah, that's a great question. Um, absolutely, there are different levels of, of the, you know, you can see how much time was put into the animation process. Um, the richer and more beautiful it is, obviously, the more expensive it was to create. So a lot of the older shows, you can tell, you know, you look at something that was made in the 80s, you can tell it's a little, it's a lot different than what's made now. Primarily, I guess, because of computers and that technology that is able to speed things up and you know, not have a thousand artists working on, you know, this much movement, <laughs> you know, but um, yeah, it is. And I think some of the stories are getting better too. But where John's career comes in is those films, videos need to be dubbed into English. Correct. And that is what these companies you were talking about do. They have a great big business supplying the English voice track for the Japanese animation. And there's there's two camps. There's the dub camp and there's the subtitled camp. So some people like to just watch a subtitled version of the original Japanese video. We provide English voiceover to make it so you can watch it in a dub version. And uh, I would put forth that another reason for its explosion in popularity is the fact that dubs, more people want to watch dubs than want to watch subs. And and there are people that will, you know, lock heads over it. But um, I think it's it's undeniable that more people want to watch and listen to a movie or a TV show instead of reading it. Uh, and just to, again, to show you, a, just to give you a level of the popularity explosion, uh, there's two metrics that I look at. But one is, I mentioned Funimation up in Dallas, and they were, they're a pretty big company. They were bought by Sony. Sony also bought a company called Crunchyroll, and they merged Crunchyroll and Funimation. So they're like the MGM of anime. Um, the company I work for, we were bought by AMC Networks like Walking Dead, Better Call Saul, and all that. So that should be an indication, I think, that the big boys want to get their hands in the pie. 
because they see how popular it is. And another metric that I go by is when I started doing this, um, another component to my career is um, we go to anime conventions and pop culture conventions like a San Diego Comic Con or whatever. And when I started doing this, there might be two, three conventions a month somewhere. Now there's six or seven or more a week everywhere. And it's and it ranges from San Diego Comic Con all the way down to a uh, a comic book store having a one day event. Yeah, that's that's fascinating. Um, the fact that there are these conventions and you, John, uh, your voice is a superstar. Not necessarily you, your voice. Right, 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 right. So you know, these people show up at a convention. I don't know, expecting a superhero. And there's just <laughs> yeah, they're very disappointed when they see that it's me. Um, yeah, the, it's it's wild. Do some people approach you at these conventions that are a little bit uh, scary? I'm just asking. Uh, I have had yes, I've had moments where uh, I, one time I was at a convention and I had a guy come in and he was in this uh, full on mech, which is he looked like a giant robot, you know, coming in. I uh, couldn't see his face, and he's walking in, you know. <laughs> And he walked up to me and leaned over at my table right at me. And he said, I don't care what anybody says. I'm your number one fan. And I'm about to go fanboy on you. <laughs> I, I I really didn't know what that meant. So what, I was a little. What does it mean? <laughs> I, I It means he was going to heap a bunch of praise on me, wow. I guess. I don't know. It's like the world could come to an anime convention and learn a lesson on just how to get along. Hmm. You know, everyone's there to lift each other up and love each other and support each other. And it's a really beautiful thing. But when these kids meet you, you know, it's instinctively you want to go, Oh, come on. I'm so big deal. I'm just a voiceover. It's it's whatever. But um, I have since learned uh, that, you know what? It is a big deal and it's not, it's a big deal to me, but it's, it's a big deal to them. And who am I or who's any actor or any celebrity, really, for that matter? Who are you to steal somebody's joy by demeaning what you do so much in an effort to be humble? You know, I mean, obviously, you don't want to be. Yeah, I'm awesome. I'm great. You're damn right. It's nice to meet me. It's not that it's but it is to them. It's it's something. And, and you should you should embrace that and let them have that moment, I think, uh-huh. because it's it's important to them, you know. So uh, over the years, how many of these conventions have you done, roughly? Well, um, I don't know how many I have done uh, over the years. I, I, I When I started out, I did like two or three a year. Then it jumped to about 10, uh, then about 15. Uh, but this year is my biggest year. I did 44 events. So that's 44 weekends out of the year I was away doing a convention. Um, I'm going to try not to do that many next year, but it's, uh, you know, it's, it's been, it's, it's got a lot of perks. I mean, I, you know, I, I just got off the phone with somebody. They want me to come to New York to do one. Uh, so, and my wife loves to come to some of these when I get invited to one in sulfur, Louisiana, she says, have fun. (laughs) When I get invited to one in Dublin, Ireland, she's like, here are my bags. John, tell us a little bit about the dubbing process. We know the anime is in Japanese. How do you match the English translation? We just, man, we are sticklers for making it fit as perfectly as possible. Because if you don't, it becomes very distracting, at least to a Western audience, I think. The way the process is, is 
you go, blah, uh, blah, 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 in Japanese. And let's say that's 20 lip flaps where the mouth moves 20 times. So we get the translation. We hand it to a script writer who then takes that script and says, okay, it says, come on, we've got to leave before they get in here. The script writer has to make it say that in 20 syllables. And a lot of times, you know, they get it right. But sometimes uh, they'll go, come on, we've got to get out of here before they arrive. <laughs> it's like this rogue wayward lip flap, you know? So we'll, we'll fill that in with like a, one of the things that's really funny about anime, and I've never seen this in any other type of genre of anything, but anime actors or characters always make a sound for everything they do. Something bad happens. They go, this could be an acting course. Oh, So, so it's uh yeah. I got I got a name for the course: grunt and wheeze your way to riches. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, how long do you see yourself doing the voice work, John? Um, you know, I I see myself doing this for as long as my voice will hold out. Um, I uh, was at a convention. Uh, it was about a year ago, actually. And uh, there were these two actors there. They were older, probably in their 70s. And they were on a show called Thundercats. And Thundercats has long been off the air. And they're, but they were at this convention and they were signing autographs. And, you know, and I had this epiphany and I told my wife, I said, I see our retirement. We're going to get an Airstream trailer and we're just going to crisscross around the country, go into conventions, you know. And if we want to take a week off, we take a week off or, you know, we're in Spokane, Washington this week and we have to be down in Denver, Colorado. We'll take a week to make the drive and stop at the Grand Canyon and do this kind of thing. And my wife was all excited about it, but she was like, always in the Airstream? <laughs> yeah. Like what you've been hearing? How about sharing the joy with your friends? We can always use more listeners. There are more episodes on the way, so stay tuned and keep howling at the moon.